Welcome back to the Where Does It Say That podcast. Thank you guys for following along with us so far. Uh, We have a fun episode today. First off, we would like for you to uh, shoot us an email if you have any questions uh, of any of our past episodes that you'd like to speak about. Um, Ask a question, make a comment, and we'll be happy to, to either do an episode based on one of your questions or we can answer it directly if that's what's preferred. You can reach us at wheredoes@outlook.com. So like I said, today's going to be a fun episode. We're going to give an overview of what Calvinism is. So Matt, what is Calvinism? Where does it come from? Tell us a bit about it. Because it, Calvinism is a thing that you hear out um, uh, in you know, the vast majority of or vast majority of the veins of Christianity. Uh, so where does it come from? What is it? What's it all about? Yeah, so Calvinism is going to go by um, several different names. It could be um, Reformed Theology. Um, they like to call it the doctrines of grace um, because they they have hijacked the word grace. Um, Calvinism is really the reason this is important, I guess, to uh, discussions that we've already had is because Calvinism is nothing more than Augustinian um, philosophy. Um, Augustine, as we've talked about before, was a Manichaean Gnostic for nine years before he became a Neoplatonist, before he became a Christian. And he said a lot of things about free will and had the, the orthodox position of the church and then all of a sudden went back to his Manichaean roots um, and hard determinism. So we, we said before that the Manichaean and the Neoplatonist, they're going to believe in fatalism. Everything is fated. Nothing happens of your own free will. God um, has already determined everything that will happen. Um, now, the reason that I say Calvinism is a is nothing more than Augustinian philosophy is it's it's the same things that that Augustine would have said. Um, Calvin is a staunch lover of Augustine. Um, if you take Calvin's two volume work, the the Institutes of the Christian Religion. He, he goes back to Augustine for his views um, over 200, 295, I think it is, times that he quotes Augustine. Not the Bible, Augustine. Um, Luther was an Augustinian monk. So the, these guys are basically reviving Augustine, who was a Manichaean Gnostic. So what the early church would have called Gnosticism are the tenets of Calvinism. So that makes it incumbent upon us to discuss this. Um, this is rampant all throughout. All throughout. The, so, the quote-unquote church. Yeah, the, the biggest, most out-there teachers that you're going to see, uh, some of them are Calvinists. Um, John MacArthur, John Piper... Vody Bauckham, Paul Washer, uh, the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and, and, and the typical Southern Baptist believes in free will, but the president of their flagship seminary doesn't, Al Mohler. He, he's a five-point Calvinist. Um, R.C. Sproul was a five-point Calvinist. Um, it's something that has slipped in to the church, and, and I feel like, um, you know, Jude says that I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, but I felt like I needed to 
write to you to tell you to earnestly contend for the faith once for all handed to the saints. Um, it, it's important that we clarify some things. The The reason that, that Calvinism has, has run rampant, especially in this generation, Calvinism's always had ebbs and flows. Um, it, it will gain in popularity and then it goes away and then it'll gain and, and goes away, but it doesn't seem to be going away this time. And more and more people are embracing it. And they're, they're embracing it because they're sending their children to these seminaries to be taught by, um, you know, in the, in the case of Southern Baptist theological guys like Bruce Ware and Tom Schreiner, um, scholars who are Calvinists and professors are, are indoctrinating your children into this. And, and those children don't have any kind of a ability to counteract that because the church has by and large accepted some tenets of Calvinism. Well, we like that and we like that. The, the problem is now that we're inconsistent because we've gotten away from the early church model that doesn't accept any of the five points of Calvinism. So <clears throat> let's, let's key in on that, that word point. So what are the five points? What do you mean by that? So Calvinism or reformed theology has um, really five tenets. It's, it's the, the logic, the flow of the system. Um, if you take the first one, you'll, you should take all five because it's a logical thing. So they, they, they have an acronym for that, uh, TULIP, T-U-L-I-P. Um, the T stands for total depravity or, um, some of them would prefer total inability. Um, the U is unconditional election, um, that that's going to deal with predestination. Uh, the L is limited atonement that Christ died only for those who were unconditionally elected, not for anybody else, just for the elect. Um, I is irresistible grace. If if God decides you're going to be saved, you will be, you don't have a choice in the matter. And P is perseverance of the saints, which, which a lot of the Baptist churches have, um, twisted that into once saved, always saved. They're, they're, they're similar. Um, all those that God has elected and, and bestowed salvation on, he'll keep them to the end. Um, they may have ups and downs and have some sin in their lives and things like that, but but in the end, they will persevere all the way to the end, that he'll bring them to the end. Uh, once saved, always saved is kind of a, a poor man's version of that, a cheap knockoff. Um, we're going to go into all five of those points way more in depth over the next five weeks. Um Today, we just kind of want to give an overview of what is Calvinism and why is it important that we discuss it. Um, it's important that we discuss it because the early church fathers prior to Augustine called the tenets of Calvinism Gnosticism. Um, they would not have accepted Augustine. He is a Gnostic through and through by what they are they're saying you can go back and listen to our our podcasts on Augustine um which we we need to finish um but as well as original sin uh, we have an episode on that as well as Gnosticism yeah <clears throat> that would give you more of a background to this but, but it does seem as if the the reformed approach or Calvinistic approach is rampant in the church to the point that people like us who don't conform to Calvinist teaching are heretics. Yeah, yeah. So it seems as if the Gnostic teaching, which used to be heresy, is now mainstream orthodoxy. Right, 
Right. We'll, we'll get into a little bit more next week. If you take their first tenant, total depravity, that's going to deal with original sin, that, that man is born um, guilty, that our nature was changed in the fall. Um, Genesis 3 doesn't say anything about that, that our nature was changed in the fall. None of that is is there. This is a philosophy. This is conjecture. That's one of the main problems that, that I see in Calvinism. If if you are going to explain something that you think is, is biblical truth, then why do you immediately get away from biblical words and start giving so many words? Um, if you accept that tenet, though, and, and unfortunately, m- the vast majority of the church does, that our nature was changed at the fall, that has stuck. That we are born sinners, which the scripture never says, and we'll we'll go through more of that next week. We we did the episode on original sin. That never shows up. That thought is not in anybody's mind. It is not a Christian thought until Augustine. Until we get to the four hundreds AD, no one says that until Augustine. That's a Manichaean Gnostic tenet. Absolutely, through and through, that that you are born sinful, only those who have this special knowledge, those who have been chosen before the foundations of the earth can be saved. That's exactly Calvinism. It, it, it's not, there's no mincing words there. That is exactly Calvinism. The early church fathers would have come against that 100%. I'm going to, I'm going to read some quotes, one to the effect of, um, describing Gnostics, they introduce ruined natures incapable of salvation. That's exactly what Augustine and then Calvin and Luther and all the other Calvinists down the line. Uh, Vody Bauckham has a line that he loves to say that your baby's not a little angel, that's a viper in a diaper. You are not born with a corrupted, with a ruined nature. Sin is in the world, that's true, but you are not guilty of Adam's sin. You are not born guilty. So um, the, the the problem with, with Calvinism, as I said, is it has been able to thrive because they, they have gotten us to accept that one tenet. If you take, I'll give them credit. They have a, they have a flawless logic system. If you accept original sin, if you accept that man is born in sin with a ruined nature, then you should go ahead and become a five-point Calvinist. Absolutely. There, there is no doubt that all of those things follow. We're the ones that are confused over here. We'll take your original sin, we'll take your ruined nature, and then try to fight you on all these other points like unconditional election. No, no. If you're born in sin, if you're born with a ruined nature, unconditional election makes perfect sense. If unconditional election makes sense, limited atonement makes sense, irresistible grace, perseverance of the same, all that makes perfect sense. What we're dealing with is, uh, for instance, you know, your, your, your typical Baptist person believes that they're born in sin, but they believe that they can freely come, but they can't ever leave. Once saved, always saved. They're, they're starting to twist things that, that don't, don't work that way. And the early church never had a doctrine of original sin. It just was not there. They don't believe that your your nature was corrupted. That That's another thing that, that Calvinists do well, though, is they use our words, but they mean something completely different. So the example that, that I would give is, um, whosoever will may come. I believe that. 
I would I would wager that ninety nine percent of our listeners would agree. Whosoever will may come. Even our Calvinist listeners that are that are that are listening to what we're saying about them. But the Calvinist means whosoever will may come, but you can't want to unless God made you want to. So you you won't will to come. You won't want to come. God will never enlighten you. You'll never want to come. So they use our words. And then then the, the church has shot itself in the foot too because we haven't attacked um, some of these clown shows that call themselves churches. Um, little boys play in church in the pulpit. And the Calvinists, teachers that I was just listing out, you know, a James White, a John MacArthur, Paul Washer, those are very serious men. Um, they are very rigid, very uh, learned. They work through the scriptures well. They have a, a, a an air of logic and intelligence about them as compared to... to the the fifty year old man wearing hipster jeans, or or skinny jeans and hipster glasses, trying to be relevant to somebody else while he gives a motivational speech on a Sunday morning, and and that's very attractive to people who who take the Bible seriously. Well, the problem is they they have wandered themselves into a completely false teaching that's Gnosticism. Can someone? <clears throat> we alluded to this, but can someone accept say four points? and still be consistent because it seems as if if one if one piece of that that tulip or one one piece of the five points falls apart it all has to fall apart so can you accept three or four of them and still be consistent no theology no there's no such thing people people will say that well i'm a three-point calvinist just because you want to be a calvinist too because those guys are um, or I'm a four-point Calvinist. The, the one point that they they dispute is the limited atonement that Christ died only for the elect. They that Scripture can't help them there, and, and they realize that that that's that's borderline blasphemy right there. Um, but a real Calvinist would say that a four-point Calvinist is not a Calvinist. They're confused. They don't understand the system. And I would agree a hundred percent. You're either a five-point Calvinist or you are not a Calvinist. Um, so you you can't be a one point, two point, three or four. You're either a Calvinist or you're not. That brings me to my next question. <clears throat> because we're talking about Calvinism, the five points of Calvinism, Reformed theology. Uh, the first question that someone is going to send us and just trying to get out in front of it, do we subscribe or ascribe to any five points of this? Do we have a, a name for our theology? No. No, no, we just, uh, we are fully in line with what the early church would say. Um, so we're going to say that we believe the Bible. Uh, everybody's going to say that they believe the Bible. Um, we're not tagging on a philosophy with it though. No, I'm not. I, there is nothing. I heard Steve Lawson. He's another one of their, their, uh, theologians, um, Steve Lawson made a comment once that really got me thinking. Um, just just off the cuff, he was he was talking about Calvinism, and he said, "When I came to these truths, you didn't come to these truths; you were taught them. 
There's no person that has ever read the Bible and came to that. No one has ever read the Bible and and came out the other side of Calvinist. They've had to be taught. Um, an R.C. Sproul influenced them. Uh, John MacArthur influenced them. Um, they've liked the things that Paul Washer says about obedience and things like that. So then they they fall in line with his theology on salvation. This this is definitely a salvation theology. How does one get saved? Um, soteriology is, is what it's called. Um, we don't fall in line with any kind of that philosophy. We, you know, we'll read the scripture. We take the scripture extremely literally. Um, if I have a question about how I am interpreting a certain passage, I, I don't go to um, commentaries. I go to the early church and say, hey, what did the guys who spoke Greek and lived in that culture, how did they work this out in their minds? And, and you know, 95, 96% of the time, they're, they're completely unanimous. And what they're not unanimous on are things that don't really matter um, as much. They, they matter, but not as much. So, for instance, like head coverings, should you wear the covering all the time or not? Should virgins and grown women wear it or just virgins? Should it have a veil? with it. Those kind of questions are the questions that they don't hundred percent agree on. Um, but when it comes to things like this, they are lockstep. I'm glad you said that. If anyone wants an episode on head coverings, just let us know and we'll be happy to go into that as well. Um, but we, we wanted to do this overview. If you spend any time on the theological corner of YouTube or the theological corner of Spotify, any sort of podcast platform, 90% of what you're going to see and hear is about Calvinism. It, it has almost become a vacuum. That, that's all that there is. So we're trying to fill a space uh, with what the early church says, what the Bible actually says, leaving out the, uh, the uh, philosophies that have come in over time, um, especially paired with Gnosticism. So we look forward to stepping through this with you. Ask questions. Um, feel free to reach out. And next time you hear from us, we will have uh, um, time to talk about total depravity. We'll, We'll get started with the tea and the tulip. So thank you, and we look forward to spending more time with you.